So the scriptures this morning are Matthew 4:16 and then Matthew 5:14 through 16. So reading 4:16 first. Oh, please stand for the reading of God's word. Okay, Matthew 4:16. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then skipping down to chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds, and praise your Father in heaven. The word of the Lord. I'm grateful for light. I like a lighted sanctuary. I like sunlight. Um, I like flashlights when I need them, or candles, or lanterns, or... Light's pretty important to us, and it's important to God, too. Um, James Dobson shares this story uh, of an acquaintance of his. He says, Consider the experience of a friend of mine who was a recreational pilot when he was younger. On one occasion, he flew a single-engine plane toward his home base at a small country airport. Unfortunately, he waited too long to start back and arrived in the vicinity of the field as the sun dropped behind a mountain. By the time he maneuvered his plane into position to land, he could not see the hazy runway below. There were no lights to guide him and no one on duty at the airport. He circled the field for another attempt to land, but then the darkness had become even more impenetrable. For two desperate hours, he flew his plane around and around in the blackness of night, knowing that probably death awaited him when he ran out of fuel. Then, as a greater panic gripped him, a miracle occurred. Someone on the ground heard the continual drone of his engine and realized his predicament. That merciful man drove his car back and forth on the runway to show my friend the location of the airstrip. Then he let his lights cast their beam from the far end while the plane landed. Darkness was death. Light was life. People in our world are trying to navigate life in the darkness. And unless and until they see the light of Christ, they are headed for a fatal crash landing. It's up to us to shine the light of Christ on the runway so that people can land safely. And so I, I want to talk about the light for a minute. Um, this portion that um, Dean read this morning um, is actually a quote from the book of Isaiah, the first portion in chapter 4. Um, the writer of the book of Matthew is just repeating that, that um, prophecy. So, it tells us here that um, Jesus is a great light. A great light. Um, 
And I know he came as a baby, and I, we kind of think of soft and gentle and glow, but I, I'm telling you, in a spiritual sense, Jesus burst onto the scene. He, not as a flickering candle or one of those dim oil lamps that they used back in that day, but with the magnificent splendor of his radiant light. Um, again, the language used by Matthew, which is a quote from Isaiah 9 2, which was a prophecy of the coming Messiah, on the land, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And to me, that's a picture of the sun coming up, a light dawn. So, uh, when Jesus came into the world, it was like the sun rising on a dark, moonless night. Like the sun, Jesus is the light of the world. The sun had risen to dispel spiritual darkness. He was a great light. Not that, Again, we think of this tiny baby when Jesus came, but listen, in a spiritual sense, he was a bright light, like the sun coming up that had entered the world. John 12:46. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And I want to talk about the darkness for a minute because I think we need to understand um, why the world needed the light of Jesus. First of all, darkness is deception. John 8.44, speaking of Satan, tells us, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know that Satan has been perpetrating lies on humanity since the very beginning. You could say basically day one. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God has, uh, has created Adam and now Eve, placed them in the garden, and uh, he gives them this instruction. He tells them you can eat any the fruit of any of the trees in the garden. But then he says in Genesis 2, 17, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, then skip to Genesis chapter 3. Satan has come. He's tempting Eve. And she is basic, she's told him, here's what God said about this tree. We're not supposed to eat the fruit of it. If we do, we will surely die. And here's what Satan said. You will not surely die. He just lied to Eve. Well, Adam was right there too, obviously, because she gave him some of the fruit to eat. So God has said in his instructions to Adam and Eve, don't eat of this tree. If you do, you will surely die. When Satan comes to tempt her, he says, you will not surely die. And ever since, that's, that has been the pattern Satan ceased to, to get humanity to believe lies, in essence, that make God a liar. That's what, that's what Satan was saying here. Oh, you won't surely... God said that? No. He's a liar. You won't die. So, we've had these lies throughout history. Man is basically good. We don't need a Savior. There is no hell. Truth is relative or there is no truth. 
Things like, God could never forgive you for that. The darkness of deception. But the light of Jesus brings clarity and reveals truth. And there are those who are searching for truth. They are seeking answers to life's questions. The light of Christ can reveal truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The light of Jesus dispels the darkness of deception. And then darkness is fear. You know, things don't go bump in the day. They go bump in the night, right? They go bump when it's dark. Darkness hides things. You can't see where you're going when it's dark. Have you ever gotten up in the night, maybe and gone through a part of your house and boom, ran into a piece of furniture or something or stubbed your toe because you just couldn't see? You didn't want to turn the lights on and wake everybody up. So you're trying to navigate your way in the darkness. Um, years and years ago when... When I was still running consistently, I ran in a race that took place at night. It was the only time I'd ever done that. And I remember, I had this anxiety the whole time I was running because the streets weren't well lit and I was thinking, what if I step in a pothole or step on something? You know, I don't want to go down on pavement. I don't want to twist my ankle or something like that. And I remember it, it, it held me back because I, I was just afraid to go all out like I might normally have done because I just could not see where my feet were landing. And Jesus said in John 11.10, when it is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. So they, they live in this fear of they're going to stumble, they're going to run into something, they're going to encounter something that they, they could not see. It creates fear in us. And the Bible tells us that one of the things that people fear most, and even in our world today they'll say, well, this is a, all other fears relate to this fear, and that's the fear of death. The fear of death. In, in Hebrews, 2, chapter 4, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says this, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him holds the power of death. That is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So we have people walking in darkness. It's, in darkness there is fear because you cannot see you, these things that are coming for you. Death or all the things you could list below that, that are fears that people have. We have fears about the uns what's going to come tomorrow. I was reading um, uh, about the things that are going around right now, and Russia's making this build up on big build up on the border of Ukraine, and oh no. And we have this these fears continually that come to us because. So many people are walking in darkness. They don't have the, the light of hope that Jesus gives. But we know that the light of Jesus dispels the darkness of fear. And then darkness is lostness. In John twelve thirty five, Jesus told them, You're going to have the light just a little, little while longer. 
Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. They are lost. You know, it's, um, it's scary enough to be lost in the light of day. It's really scary to be lost in the dark of night. You know, I, I was reading, one, reading a story um, as I was preparing for this, and these kids were playing in the woods and just didn't pay attention to what was going on. And, you know, they should have had it home, but they didn't. And darkness fell. And, and the writer of the story was telling how, how very scared they were because the, you know, they're in the woods, there was no light, the canopy over them, um, and they were scared to death. Finally, they saw a light in the distance and were able to follow that, well, to an uncle's house, not their home. But it's, it's a scary thing to be lost in the darkness. And we, we talk about lost people all the time, don't we? People lost in, in darkness. Think, think of all the people who are looking for purpose, meaning, and direction in life, but they're lost. And their search, the search they making, they're making leaves them unfulfilled and empty. That's because they're walking in darkness. They cannot see their way. The pathway of life is illuminated by the light of Jesus. It cannot be found in the darkness. In Psalm 32.8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. In Psalm, excuse me, in Isaiah 42.16, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. The, the light of Jesus dispels the darkness of lostness. And then darkness is sin. And we, if you spend any time in the scripture, you know that sin is often characterized as dark or darkness or night. <clears throat> John three nineteen and 20. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. That is the picture we see throughout Scripture. The dark or darkness representative of evil, wickedness, sin. Evil things are done in the dark so that they won't be discovered. Sin seeks to be hidden in the dark. But the the scripture tells us that the light of Jesus exposes sin for what it is. The light of Jesus dispels the darkness of sin. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 5 it tells us this. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Yeah, I hope you're glad about that. And so the light of Jesus, the light of Jesus is life. John 1, 4, in him we have life and that life was the light 
of all mankind. And think about it. Life does not thrive in the darkness. Life thrives in the light. God's intention was that we would live in the light of Jesus. It is in that light that we have life. Life abundant. Life that is fruitful. Life that grows. Because we have life now, we will then have eternal life in Christ. John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The light of Jesus is life. And the light of Jesus cannot be extinguished. Or as the scripture we read today said, cannot be overcome. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. When the light of Jesus came into the world, very few recognized it. Simeon and Anna did when they took Jesus into the temple on the eighth day. I think the Magi recognized the light, and I know for certain that Satan did. He tried to extinguish the light, and he used Herod to do it, but it didn't work. He thought he did it at the cross, but Jesus rose again. And throughout history, through persecution of the church, Satan has sought to extinguish the light. But despite his best efforts, the light of Jesus has continued to shine through us. Through us. The kingdom of darkness cannot overcome the light. I was thinking about this. Remember where... Jesus said um, to Peter, on this rock I have built my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I was thinking, overcome it, no, prevail against it. Well, it's true of the light too. Satan is going to do his very best to extinguish the light, but it's never going to happen. He's tried throughout history and failed. He tried with Jesus and failed. He's still trying. We see the person of the church of Jesus Christ worldwide. And we're seeing, um, we're seeing more pressure on the church, even in our own nation in these days. Um, you know, I remember a, a pastor friend of mine when we pastored on the coast was talking about kind of this progression that ha- it actually happened with the Jews in Germany uh, when Hitler rose to power. The Nazis came to power. Um, and it's, it's this process. Criticism, you're criticized, you're marginalized, you're criminalized. And we're already seeing that, well, in Canada, there are certain things that can, uh, a pastor cannot preach from the pulpit. If he does, um, he's arrested. And we're seeing that, that movement today, but We know throughout history, and despite Satan's best efforts to overcome the light, he has not been able to do it. The light of Jesus still shines. And we need to understand that we are not light producers, we are light reflectors. We don't produce light, Jesus produces the light. It's Jesus in us. In John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Remember this song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Okay? I think that song gives the wrong impression. Sorry. 
If Jesus lives in us and he is a great light, then shouldn't the light that shines out of us be a great light? Makes sense to me. Donald uh, Gray Barnhouse explained it this way. When Christ was in the world, he was like the shining sun. When the sun sets, the moon comes up. The moon is a picture of believers, the church. The church shines, but not with its own light. It shines with reflected light. At times, the church has been, full, has been a full moon dazzling the world with an almost daytime light. There were times of great enlightenment, enlightenment, for example, in the days of Paul and Luther and Wesley. At other times, the church has been only a thumbnail moon, and in those days, very little light shone on the earth. <clears throat> but whether the church is a a full or thumbnail moon, whether waxing or waning, it reflects the light of Christ. Our light does not originate with us. And folks, every born-again believer has light that needs to shine. Jesus doesn't reveal that we have potential for light. He declares that we are the light of the world. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now he says we are the light of the world because Jesus lives in us. And just think of all the opportunities then that Jesus has in the light of believers around the world to shine the light on those who are lost. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God said, for the God who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ Jesus. <clears throat> and then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 15, and this is from the New, New Living, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. <clears throat> you know... You have to wonder, I do at times, and we hear this spoken uh, by different Christian leaders, you have to wonder if much of the darkness we face, and this is convicting for me, is not the result of Christians who have failed to let the light of Christ shine out of them. Whether from fear or complacency or intimidation, there are too many Christians who have done what the Sunday school song told us we should not do. And that is, hide the light of Jesus that's in us. Hide it under a bushel? No. But at times that's what we've done. And I think we have an obligation to this world and to Jesus to shine for him. It is possible that if your light doesn't shine, there will be some who never see the light. We have been given the light of Christ. What a powerful light that is. It's able to conquer the darkness of sin, fear, deception, and lostness. And there is no darkness so dark that the light cannot conquer it. See, I can let my light shine, but I can't let your light shine. There are enough professing Christians in our world to make a difference. There is an urgent need as never before in our day to be the light of Jesus. 
And then we let our light shine for the praise of God. Matthew 5.16 In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So it says they look at us, then we bring glory to God. Well, I hope we do anyway. We have to let our light shine in order to do that. Well, what does that look like? <clears throat> our good deeds that, that glorify, glorify God. Well, Paul, I think, gives us some insight in Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verses 8 and 9, where he says this, <clears throat> You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And then he tells us what that looks like. For the fruit of light, light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Those things, as we live them out, bring glory to God as the light shines goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness. What is goodness? Well, it's just about anything that you can think of that impacts people in a positive way. Remember last week from the book of, of uh, Philippians, I talked about Paul's instruction to us to be gentle to all. That's goodness. When we're kind, that's goodness. When we serve others, that's goodness. When we, when we care, when we share, when we listen, that's goodness. And then righteousness. We are called to be a holy people. And it doesn't necessarily that we will always be right, but we, we must always do right. So we speak differently, we act differently, we think differently, we react differently. See, we believe that God has a holy standard of our, for our lives and we determine to live by that. And then, truth. <clears throat> Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we've I've already mentioned the fact that we live in a world that, well, there are li a lot of lies being perpetrated on us. And we need to be people of the truth. And here it is. Right here. I know there's been, there have been a lot of attempts to kind of massage the Word of God, so to speak, and make it say something different than it does because it's convicting. Isn't it? It convicts people. We don't like that. We don't like to feel convicted. So we want the Word of God to say something that it really doesn't say. And we have that going on in our world. And unfortunately, it's happening from the pulpit. It's happening from the pulpit. And we've begun to excuse things as okay that God calls sin and has always called sin and will always call sin. We need to be people of the truth. We live the truth. We speak the truth in love. we got to remember that. You know, some, some of those zealous for the truth have come across in a way that actually shuts people down. They don't want to hear it anymore. So we need to be people who live the truth, who speak the truth in love. And those are the things, goodness, righteousness, and truth that glorify God as we live those things out in our lives. A Hindu trader in India once asked a missionary, what do you put on your face to make it shine? Julie said that this morning, your shining faces, and I thought, oh, kind of fits in with this illustration I'm going to share this morning. What do you put on your face to make it shine? 
With surprise, the, the, the missionary answered, I don't put anything on it. His questioner began to lose patience and said emphatically, Yes, you do. All you who believe in Jesus seem to have it. I've seen it in the, I've seen it in the towns of Agra and Surat and even in the city of Bombay. Suddenly the Christian understood and his face glowed even more as he said, Now I know what you mean and I will tell you the secret. It's not something we put on from the outside, but something that comes from within. It's the reflection of the light of God in our hearts. And folks, we need to be people of light. Our, our world, it's a dark place, let's be honest about it. And it seems like, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not a pessimist, but it seems like it's getting darker. Just even as we watch about some of the things that are taking place in our own country, not to mention around the world. It seems like things are growing darker. And if ever there was a time when it was important for followers of Jesus Christ to shine the light of Jesus Christ, it's now. Amen? So let's determine in our lives to be the light of Christ in our world because He said we are the light of the world. Jesus, we thank You, first of all, for the example You set You came as light, and as you live in us, then that light can shine in us and through us, out of us. And may we take heed of that song we sang in Sunday school. This little light of mine, although I believe it's a great light, I'm going to let it shine, and I'm not going to hide it. Under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine. Lord, may we have the commitment and the courage in every circumstance we find ourselves in, to let your light shine to the glory and praise of God. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.